This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. ever be enough i mean will it seriously now will it ever be enough a lot of you have have intimated that i haven't gone as directly at some of the um people slash entities around our sport lately so we're gonna sharpen the sword tonight a little bit lake kick is live jam-packed high atop a radiant downtown nashville tennessee tuesday february 13th the overlord 2024 yeah, it's Tuesday night we're doing a show because we didn't do one sunday we got out of the way voluntarily for the company so that they could have the highest-rated Super Bowl of all time. And good for us, by the way, for making that possible. College football playoff expansion may be about to happen again. Yeah, we'll talk about it in some shape, form, or fashion. I've got SEC win totals on the show tonight. Several thoughts on this. We finally, you and I, get to talk about Chip Kelly to Ohio State. And boy, do I have some thoughts on that. And you know, speaking of thoughts... Why don't we just rank every football program in the ACC tonight? You talk about nasty business. When you get into the bottom half of the ACC, do you know the difference between Boston College and Wake Forest? Do you guys know the difference? You will after tonight, or at least we'll try to. Corbin, Kentucky is tuned in. Ventura, California, Vestavia Hills, Alabama, or as they call it, the Ventura of North Central Alabama, and New Orleans, Louisiana, in the midst of Mardi Gras down there, some of you dutifully making sure you're still watching the show. And hey, I don't normally plug the Academy ad read. Make sure that you're watching tonight for the Academy ad read. Some are saying the most powerful Academy ad read of the modern era on tonight's show. And you know what? You need to be following on the socials as well. About to start having a lot of fun on there. Twitter, Instagram specifically, at Late Kick Josh. Okay, now that we've got that out of the way, let's stack our papers for old time's sake. Let's pop our papers and let's dive into the show. Hey, I'm serious about the Academy ad read. The Academy ad read is breaking boundaries tonight. The folks at Academy don't even know what's coming. I texted one of them a little while ago. But uh, that's, that's about 20 minutes down the road. It seems that something's gotten lost in translation around here lately. So I have said recently, I've got a renewed sense of optimism. I don't think the sport of college football is about to train headlong off the nearest cliff. But something somewhere along the way got misconstrued because someone somewhere took me as saying, I fully trust these people. I don't. I don't trust these people, as Meemaw would say, any further than I can throw them. And I got a hurt shoulder right now, so it's not very far. Uh, guys. When I talk about optimism, I'm choosing to be optimistic, and I think that things are so dire behind the scenes that even some folks who otherwise would readily screw this sport up are going to have no choice but to get certain aspects of the sport in working order. And that's a long-winded way of saying I think things are going to be okay, big picture. That brings us to today. Today, I am perusing about the internet this morning, and our, our buddy, Ross Dellinger, over there at Yahoo Sports, he puts out a report, and I'm not going to bore you with the details, not that it was a boring report, but you can go read it if you want to. I'm not going to bore you with the particulars. There was a bunch of stuff happening today with a bunch of conference commissioners and league officials, and they're trying to figure out which way is up, and north, south, east, west, what, what's the financial situation going to look like, how are we going to do the playoff? All that stuff. And nothing got figured out today, so long and short of it is stay tuned on that. However, that doesn't mean nothing got shared. And um, I hate to say I told you so, because I end up saying it too much when it comes to matters of the college football playoff, but they're kind of finally saying the quiet part out loud. They're saying the part that some of us around here said was coming all along out loud. They're not done expanding the college football playoff. You may have thought to yourself, well, at four right now, shouldn't we go to six? Shouldn't we go to eight? Nope, nope. We're going to skip over those. We're going to go to 12. 12. Mm. 
Seems like a lot of teams, but uh, okay, well, at least we finally gotten to 12. You hadn't finally gotten anywhere. You're just at a rest stop right now. These people are not stopping at 12. I told you they're not stopping at 12, but don't take my word for it. I'm just some guy in Nashville behind the microphone. Let's go to the report. Ross Dellinger with real human beings making decisions about the future of this sport on the record. Quote, while serious discussions about expanding the 12-team playoff format have not arisen inside the college football playoff meetings, many believe it eventually will. Tony Petiti, that's the new Big Ten commissioner. Tony Petiti has privately discussed with commissioners expansion models that include 14 and 16 teams with multiple automatic qualifiers to major conferences, sources told Yahoo Sports. We continue. Mike Oresco, who's the president and commissioner of the AAC, who is set to retire this summer, says that a move to a 16-team playoff could very well be in the future and that such a tournament would probably be under a 5 plus 11 format with five auto bids to league champs and 11 at-large spots. Quote, the truth is, if you went to 16, you're not going to fundamentally change the playoff, he said. It's about growth, isn't it? It's all about growth. Every time I push back on this, I get told, Josh, how could you say no to more money? There's more money being pumped in. And that's apparently the only metric we need to go by these days. You don't need to look at passion. You don't need to look at uh, the vibrance of the game. You don't need to look at how valuable a Saturday in early November is. Nope, nope, nope. That's such antiquated, casual thinking. No, the big brains have walked in the room, and they're here to tell you that growth in college football and college athletics boils down to one metric and one metric only. And that's the bottom line on that P&L sheet. And if you're making more money, then that means your sport is growing. You might say to yourself, oh, too little, too late, JP. Should have said this a little while ago. Colin, cue it up. We did. Let's go to July of 2022. The more I hear people tell me about how much money these changes in college football are going to make, the more I want to walk out this door and jump out the window. I don't care. I'm going to tell you, I don't care about how much more money these media rights deals are going to bring conferences. I don't care. And my humble opinion is you should not care. Not only are you not going to see a dime of that money, not only are your ticket prices and parking and concessions and everything still going to go up magically, no matter how many hundreds of millions more dollars in the coffers, uh, not only will these moves choke off a large portion of the underbelly of the sport, and I don't mean that pejoratively, not only is all that true, but also think about this. Uh, Could I suggest to you that growth and financial increase are not necessarily tied at the hip here. You can add money and not necessarily be growing the sport. We should probably loop the last part, Colin, because that would be breaking news to a majority of the folks gathered in that room this week. You can grow financially and not grow your sport. Your sport could become less healthy As you become more profitable, can you believe that? What kind of crazy talk is that? Well, hey, let me hit you with a real world example. This show, thanks to the fact that I got the best staff in America and maybe even the world, this show is the most consumed college football show in all of digital media today. Again, a very blessed position. Let's say someone approached me tomorrow morning on the streets of downtown Nashville and said, Josh, I will give you $100 million per year distributed amongst your staff however you want to. There's just one caveat. You have to talk exclusively about Canadian football from here on out. It's nothing but CFL wall to wall. And I take the money and I come on air Thursday and I say, great news, guys. We're making nine figs. We're in the nine figure club now. Now the show is going to be about the CFL, but we're growing. The show is growing. Never mind the fact that I'm never going to discuss again what brought you to the table, and I'm not going to give you anything you come here seeking anymore, but don't worry, because I'm making money that you'll never get a dime of, therefore the show's growing, right? You would look and you would say, delete, unsub, and you'd be gone, as you should. If I'm talking Grey Cup, if I'm talking Winnipeg Blue Bombers, you might as well not tune in. It's not what you came here for. And so I've got a group of people right now who are in charge of a sport that they may or may not love. And if they do love it, they may be loving it to death, quite literally. And they're saying, hey, 
12 playoff spots, 16 playoff spots. Who cares what we do to the regular season, you know, because we don't make as much money off of that as we do an eight versus a nine in the middle of January. This is why a lot of us who were anti-playoff expansion were so adamant in the beginning. It's the nature of a slippery slope. I was listening to James Franklin talk about it earlier today. The thing about a slippery slope is you don't test it out. You don't get to take a few steps down and say, I don't like this. All right, pull me back. There is no rope around the waist of our sport right now, and it's already on the slope. You know, you you went there, and you allow these people to have the hands on the wheel, and so they've gotten down the slope, and they love it, by the way. They don't care what's at the bottom. They're not going to suffer anyway. Uh, Frankly, a lot of these folks could just go work in the front office of another major sport. They could ruin that one, too. Um, So I may sound a little juvenile right now, may sound a little too idealistic. It's just that I happen to love college football. and. I don't necessarily mind if we leave a little money on the table for the greater good of the game. I grew up in the South. One of the things the South gets wrong that some of the places in the Big Ten gets right is there is signage in every stadium in the South. And by signage, I mean every available spot in major stadiums in the South, there is going to be advertising. There are a few exceptions, but by and large, that's the rule in the South. I go to Notre Dame, hardly any. I go to Michigan, hardly any. Those folks have decided a long time ago that for the betterment of a pristine in-stadium aesthetic, we are going to leave advertising dollars on the table. Why? Not because we hate money, but because there's a certain line in the sand here, and once we cross it, we devalue ourselves even as our bank account gets bigger. I really wish that attitude existed in the the greater realm of college athletics, but it is sorely lacking right now. What can I do? I don't know, but I'm going to talk about it. Let's move on. It is right now uh, February 13th, but if you're friends like we are with FanDuel, you've already got all the win totals this year, and uh, therefore it's time to talk about these. Now, by the way, got a loaded show tonight. Uh, I got Chip Kelly stuff. I've got, I've got <laughs> I kid you not, we are ranking every program in the ACC. I got um, a, a very, very dangerous, very treacherous fall wedding conundrum to discuss on the back end of the show. So we're, we're jam-packed tonight. We got a little something for everyone. Colin, here's your end point for this. SEC win totals are out at FanDuel, and that means we just dive right in. Strength of conference, man. Look at this thing. There's no team above 10 and a half, and you may think that doesn't mean you're strong. If you were a strong conference, wouldn't you have some teams in the 11 or 12 category? I'm not finished. Don't interrupt me, me. Yes, there are no teams with a win total above 10 and a half, but there are half a dozen of them at 10 and a half or 9 and a half. And for those of you unfamiliar, this is literally the easiest thing to understand in betting. The number on your screen right now, or if you're listening on podcast, the number I tell you, you can do one of two things. You can either bet over or under. And if they win more and you bet over, you win. And if they go under the number and you bet over, you know, I made that sound a lot more difficult than it should be. You're just betting how many games these teams are going to win. That's it. That's all. Georgia's 10 and a half. Texas is 10 and a half. Those are the two big dogs in the totals market, at least in the preseason for the SEC. You got five teams in the conference at five and a half wins or worse. Okay, so it's not surprising Georgia would be up there. But remember now, Georgia, you've been used to seeing them with an 11 or 11 and a half. Schedule's much tougher this year. And that's going to be the case virtually across the board in the SEC and in many cases, the Big Ten as well. But look at the overall landscape here. Okay, so you got Texas at 10 and a half. To give you an idea of the Texas OU dynamic, those are the two newcomers. Texas at 10 and a half. That is a massively high number for anybody in the SEC at any point, but especially the new look SEC. And when you're the newcomer, uh, that's a big deal. That's that's definitely a testament to the program they've built there. Oklahoma's at seven and a half, and it's juiced to the under. So they've probably been taking action on the under there. I think a lot of that has to do with the offensive line situation. But, hmm, you got Jackson Arnold there. You've got a lot of positive energy around the program. It's just, it's hard to win a bunch of games in the SEC. In the eight and a half barrel, there are several teams down here. Tennessee, you know, for example, over under eight and a half. There's a path to 
nine and three here. Uh, they avoid four of the six SEC teams with higher win totals than them. Uh, they got Chattanooga, but they play NC State. NC State is one of the best teams in the country. At least they're going to be up there in the odds market. So NC State, they play in Charlotte in week two uh, after the in-state rivalry against the Mocs of Chattanooga. Texas A&M's here. Texas A&M still got a top 10 talent roster. They are 18th in Bill Connolly's returning production metrics. They got Notre Dame. They got Texas. They got LSU. They got Missouri. You win one of those, rest of the schedule is doable. If you're trying to paint the path to over eight and a half wins, and that's just the early look at it. Obviously, we got several months to break that down in finer detail. The nine and a half barrel, though, is what I wanted to talk about. All the teams I'm about to mention are over under nine and a half wins. And, uh, buddy, it's some of the usual suspects and it's some newcomers to the dance. Alabama's at nine and a half wins. So you may think to yourself, well, that's low. Yeah, it is low, relatively speaking. It's low for Bama. It's their lowest preseason win total since 2007. They got Georgia. You know, Bama plays Wisconsin on the road this upcoming year. They got that. They go to LSU. They go to Oklahoma the week before the Iron Bowl. They go to Tennessee. They got Missouri. Obviously, an entirely new coaching staff here. It's a new era. Uh, We're going to talk about a little bit of that later in the show. What you think? Nine and a half. Honestly, I would, uh, if you made me bet one way or the other, may lean under at the moment. It's just just hard to do, man. There's a lot of transition there. It's hard to do. What's realistic? What's realistic to expect with Alabama? That word doesn't exist right now. I'm going to talk about that more later in the show. Ole Miss, path is there now. Over under nine and a half wins. They only play two of the top eight teams in the conference when it comes to the preseason win totals market. Um, Non-conference, Furman, Middle Tennessee, at Wake, Georgia Southern, they should be 4-0 in those games. They should open conference play 4-0, and they'll be favored against Kentucky and South Carolina. They'll be favored to be 6-0 when they go to LSU October 12th, unless something drastic changes. But then, as is usually the case with Ole Miss, it, it really turns the volume up in a hurry. LSU, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Georgia, Florida, Mississippi State. So it gets a little tougher on the back end. But again, by SEC standards, Ole Miss has about as manageable a slate this year especially when you consider the roster they put together as anyone. Missouri. All right. There's a lot of talk around the water cooler that Missouri was a flash in the pan. Not our water cooler per se, but several water coolers out there. We've got to stay hydrated. And yet Vegas says, well, if you believe that, here's some free money over under nine and a half. They are one of five teams with a win total at nine and a half or higher. Um, man. I look at the defensive talent they lost, not on the field, the coaching staff. And I know that a lot of attention is paid to who walks out the door, Blake Baker and Kevin Peoples, and you don't pay so much attention to who walks in the door. Um, Eli Drinkwitz has been able to hire. We talked all August about how one of the key underrated aspects of that team was they had a top 25 coaching staff last year going into the season. And, you know, I can't prove that's the difference in close games, but now, you'd certainly be hard-pressed to convince me it wasn't. They, um, they opened with Murray State. They got Buffalo. They got Boston College. And then they, op- they go to Vanderbilt. Uh, well, they got Vanderbilt coming in. They go to UMass as well. They are another team that should absolutely be 4-0 in their non-conference schedule. And so what are you looking at? You're looking at what you can do in conference play. That's going to be one of the most fun teams in the country to watch. LSU, total wildcard team. They got a tough non-conference schedule. Unlike some of these other folks, LSU is opening... In Vegas, I believe, on a Sunday night against USC. That's their opener. Then they have Nichols in week two before they open conference play. They also have UCLA come to town and South Alabama. Two teams that all of a sudden were in need of new head coaches, by the way. I could see 11-2 and here. You could sell me on the fact that the defensive staff is not able to get much out of that talent roster year one, and maybe they're 7-5. and It's a high-ceiling, low-floor team. Year three under Brian Kelly. So that's, again, it's February. It's February. Everyone settle down so we can afford to be kind of wishy-washy on what we expect right now. Oh, Florida. Oh, oh, Florida. Number's too high. The over-under win total for Florida's five and a half is too high. This may be the toughest schedule I've ever seen in college football. I want you to wrap your mind around what I'm about to tell you. Florida plays eight teams this season with a preseason win total of eight and a half or higher. 
I've never seen that before. I do not remember ever seeing that before. And that five and a half is going to be extremely tough to get. There's a world, when you consider who all they play, there is a world where Florida is the 20th best team in the country this year. And you may think to yourself, man, no one who's the 20th best team in the country would ever fire their head coach, right? Let me finish again. There is a world where they're the 20th best team in the country and they go like six and six. Like there's a world where if they are, they are just full truth is known, they're the 20th best team in the country, they would be expected to be a 500 team with this schedule. You aren't always what your record says you are. Sometimes you are, sometimes you aren't. So prayers up for the Gators. Vanderbilt, you know, we are a, team, we, we are a show that really loves to support the overs market when it comes to Vandy, and it's two and a half. And I want you to listen to me, and I really want you guys about five or six blocks away to listen to me, because that's where the campus is. They play Alcorn State, Georgia State, Ball State. If we win those games, we hit the over. That's, that's all we have to do, right, Jesse? Isn't it two and a half? That's all we have to do. Oh, it sounds so easy. We could go, we could go winless in conference, guys. All we have to do, Alcorn, Georgia State, Ball State, 3-0, we're good. Now, that's not the message I would be preaching internally over there, but, but we're good. And yet, still, it's a treacherous, treacherous task. So that's the SEC win totals market right now. Um, be careful. Be ca- you don't have to dive in fully. If you're going to, do it at FanDuel. You don't have to dive in fully right now. <clears throat> Without further ado, I know that this is a part of the show that some of you sometimes mentally tune out a little bit for. You shouldn't. You shouldn't because this is the part of the show that makes the show free. However, even if you are one of those who hit the fast forward button or you tune out, oh, don't do that tonight. Don't do that tonight. Little backstory. We got a buddy. His name's Garrett. He hails from College Station, Texas, and he just had his wisdom teeth removed. And I don't know what kind of medication... What kind of drugs slash possible narcotics they're putting folks on out there in College Station when they get their wisdom teeth taken out, but it probably is not street legal. And the reason I know that is because when Garrett started to come to, he was missing four teeth, and he had a mouthful of gauze, and the first thing on his mind was not, what's my rehab schedule? What's the first solid food I'm going to be able to eat? The first thing on this man's mind being the Pate State Hall of Famer that I now know him to be, was Academy Sports and Outdoors. But that's not the good news. The good news is there was a servant in the driver's seat there to capture it all. Roll it, Colin. You go I've never met him. I love him so much. If I could take Bradley's teeth out, I would donate them right now. In fact, what I am going to do is I'm going to drink the rest of the contents from this chalice of supremacy on the table, and then I'm going to have Bradley wash it out, which he has to do every night, part of his chores anyway, and we are shipping that bad boy to College Station, Texas, because that is how you represent the Pate State brand in a first-class manner. And he was, he was heavily medicated. And my guy Garrett's doing more medicated, frankly, than some people around here are doing fully coherent. So full golf clap to Garrett. Thank you so much. Academy Sports and Outdoors, as he well knows, makes it possible for you to 
Check virtually everything off your shopping list in one fell swoop and grab some great big league chew on the way out. And uh, it's about to be spring, man. It's going to be 63 and sunny in Nashville tomorrow. And there are a lot of things inside those walls at Academy or Academy.com that would make tomorrow even a lot more fun than it already will be. So, Garrett, we appreciate you, my friend. It, it was, he was down bad, and he made the most of a terrible situation. And what otherwise would be viewed as a cold-blooded move recording him ends up being one of the best decisions ever made because it lands him a chalice of supremacy. And we don't give many of those away in February. So congrats, Garrett. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, uh, let's move on. We have not spoken about this yet, but I figure it's time to do it now. I have some fairly strong takes on this, actually. And while I'm at it, let me take a sip from one of our Chalai of Supremacy. Chalai, of course, for those new to the show, is merely the plural form of chalice. And some less, less um, astute-minded out there would say, no, 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 it's chalices. No. No, it's not. Chip Kelly is now the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. You know how we kept doing those segments where I kept saying, I don't think Chip Kelly's going to be the coach at UCLA next year. And, and some of you kept DMing me saying, but there's nowhere else for him to go. Oh, there's always somewhere for you to go. So this is where he went, looking at some NFL offensive coordinator jobs. Those didn't pan out. And now he's the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Why? Because Bill O'Brien took the head coaching job at Boston College about 15 minutes after he took the Ohio State job. So anyway, say all that to say this. A lot of folks were shocked by this. And my question is, why were you shocked by it? it it's not that shocking, although it is jarring. It's not that shocking. Uh, Ryan Day played quarterback for Chip Kelly all the way back in the New Hampshire days, back in, in his FCS days. So... Um, you know that we have every coach in America graded in our internal system. I cannot stress enough how much this is an upgrade for Ohio State over what they were going to have with Bill O'Brien. I know a lot of folks out there were wishy-washy on this, saying, oh, O'Brien, man, you got a former NFL head coach as your offensive coordinator. Can't be that bad, right? It's going to be bad. It was going to be bad. Oh, well, he was good enough for Nick Saban. I don't care. He wasn't good at Alabama. Bryce Young was a savior at Alabama. He wasn't going to be good at Ohio State. You went from having maybe the ninth or 10th best offensive coordinator in the Big Ten this year to having one of the nine or 10 best in the country. It is a massive upgrade at the offensive coordinator position for Ohio State. Make no mistake about that. This isn't a coin flip, uh, either or, half a dozen here, six the other way. Massive upgrade just fell in Ohio State's lap. So I don't even care if people internally up there don't agree with me. A uh, huge upgrade with Chip Kelly. So as for the way it played out at UCLA, both sides soured on each other. It, it, I don't think it was portrayed accurately nationally. The feel nationally was Chip Kelly's just looking to get out of there by any means necessary. In the end, he was. I don't think that was always the way it was. I think there were, there were several dynamics internally where he wasn't necessarily in love with some things, and therefore they weren't in love with him because of those things. And it became untenable, and at that point, he wants out. And I think that's the way it went. And however it went, it ended up the way it ended up. But, um, you know, ironically, I'm not even as infatuated with the move or fascinated with the move as I am the reaction to it. I think it's a great move. It's a phenomenal move for Ryan Day in Ohio State. But, man, um, I listened 
to a lot, uh, an abnormal amount of people, actually. I normally like to insulate myself from a lot of other takes on this stuff before I talk about it, because I don't want to be influenced by it. I can assure you a lot of the takes out there didn't influence me, because I don't think I feel the way a bunch of other folks do. I saw, um, I saw some people kind of making fun of the way this played out, and they're saying, well, he's taking a big pay cut. Well, yeah, he is. Big pay cut. Well, isn't it a demotion? Isn't it a backwards move? Uh, theoretically, it is. But how does he feel? Chip Kelly's set financially, nine ways from Sunday. He's going to be okay. I can promise you, doesn't need to carpool with anyone, will not need to borrow one of the coaches' dining hall carts. He's going to be okay there. Uh, He gets to coach, which apparently is all he wanted to do. How dare they? How dare they just want to coach? Um, You know what? I say that sarcastically, but it is the role of a head coach. This day and age in this sport, in exchange for what you make, you got to deal with a lot of crap on your plate. And if you don't want to deal with it, that's okay. There are roles for you. They're called coordinator and position roles. And that's not to say you don't have a metric ton of crap on your plate when you do that as well, but at least they don't unload it by the truckload like they do when you're a head coach. So he's extremely valuable. As an asset to Ohio State here, he gets to coach. He's set financially. He's not going to be hurting because he takes a pay cut, but he hasn't had talent like he's about to have since he was the Philadelphia Eagles head coach. And the difference is, He's not facing equal competition across the ball every week like he was in Philadelphia. Uh, This is like a dream scenario for him. I don't know how long it lasts, maybe one year, maybe four years. But however long it does last, I think it's going to be a real fun reset button for Chip Kelly. I want to talk to the folks laughing at the entire situation and laughing at the optics. Like, I heard a lot of folks laughing at Chip Kelly saying, oh, look at him. He tried to go here. He tried to go there. And he was almost out of options. And he got lucky. Translation, he must not be as good as he thinks he is. Hey, I couldn't care less. I mean, this is the way I look at it. I couldn't care less what anyone on the internet thinks about it, and I don't even care what other people in football think about it. And I'm going to tell you why. Because number one, it only takes one right program to believe in you for you to be in your sweet spot. And number two, you guys ever heard of Steve Sarkeesian? Steve Sarkeesian, 2016 or 17, post-USC. Who was giving that dude a look? How many options did Sark have? None. He had to go be an off-field analyst for Nick Saban at Alabama. Nick Saban at Alabama being the key word there. Next thing you know, he's an offensive coordinator in the NFL, and it doesn't work out there. And what does he do then? Goes back to Alabama. Again, one of the only options he had on the table. And all Sark did was rewrite the college football record books a year after we saw Joe Burrow and LSU do it. Sark says, all right. And then copy-paste in 2020 for Alabama. And my point there is, when they were hanging half a hundred on everyone in 2020, nobody seemed to be looking around saying, yeah, but Sark barely had any opportunities. It didn't matter. One of the best in the game saw him and said, hold up, no one else is going to hire this guy? I'll take him. Ryan Day looks around and says, Chip Kelly? Hold on. You guys don't want Chip Kelly? I'll take him, which is the way, Colin, if you, you, you see this, this brand right here, this brand, Pate State, that's how I'd run my university and my program. Y'all don't want who? Chip Kelly. You sure it's the same guy? Chip Kelly is out there available, not to be my head coach, to be my coordinator. And you guys are laughing at him. I'm laughing at you. So Ohio State, I think we'll do a lot of laughing in the fall after they hired the guy that you, you had fun laughing at in the winter, uh, they'll kill it. He'll kill it at Ohio State. So it's the most coaching moves in the market in like 12 years. We had a ton of movement. It looks, fingers crossed, it looks like it subsided now. But one of the bombshells, it turns out, does not even happen until February. Chip Kelly is the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. I'm just looking off into the distance for a second, trying to ponder what this is like. Whomst knows, maybe we'll stop by Columbus later this spring and see him. Uh, we had a, you know, Colin, actually throw this tweet up about Notre Dame. I did, I did want to address this. Going so many different directions on the show tonight. Uh, and by the way, I appreciate you guys. Got a nice, sizable audience for February on a night we normally don't do a show. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Um, January 26th, I asked you, what will the biggest story in 2024 in college football be? And one of you came at me and said, Notre Dame's going to win the national title this year. That would be noteworthy because their last title was 1988. That would make Marcus Freeman an instant legend. 
I don't know how old you have to be to have your own statue in South Bend, but we would test the limits, I'll tell you that, if Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame won a national title. But I hear you. You don't have to yell at your phone or your TV or whatever device you're watching the show on. I hear you guys. You're all yelling the same thing. They're not going to win the national title. Well, let's just ask ourselves how possible it is. They have three top 10 classes out of the last four cycles. So they, they have the kind of talent on campus that it takes to at least make a run. They picked up Riley Leonard in the quarterback market from Duke. So they got veteran talent and presence at the quarterback spot. They got a new offensive staff. Last year, it held them back. They went and said, LSU looked pretty good. Let's take their coordinator, Mike Denbrock. Boom, South Bend. Uh, I don't know how much he'll revitalize things overnight, but they're making a lot of the necessary moves. Now, here's where I draw the line. I would not be necessarily betting Notre Dame to win the national title this year. They'll be in the hunt, okay? And this is where I think a lot of people that, as we approach the 12-team playoff era, a lot of people are going to have a problem with this. You're going to think to yourself, well, you know, make the playoff, win the title. Oh, it's, it's, it's almost the same thing. It's not, guys. 11 teams are going to make the playoff and not win the title. And, and that's without the casuals having their way and taking us to like 16 teams. Notre Dame. I, there are two schools of thought out there. You could say, well, with a 12-team playoff, they'll have a better shot. No, they won't. They won't have a better shot of winning a title. They'll have a worse shot at winning a title. They'll have a better shot at making the playoff. I don't doubt Notre Dame is going to be a prime playoff contender every year. I don't doubt that whatsoever. Got a, a strong top 10 to 12 talent roster. Got really good coaching. Just upgraded the offensive coordinator position. Sure. Got Riley Leonard at quarterback. Absolutely. They'll be a playoff contender. But that's not what the guy said. The guy told me they're going to win the national championship. You know what that means? That means you got to line up across from Georgia or Texas or Alabama or Oregon. Maybe two of them. Possibly three of them. It's impossible for Notre Dame to get a first-round bye, by the way, in the current college football playoff setup, because they're not in a conference. So they can't win a conference. So they can't have a first-round bye. Can you beat two or three of those teams? In the past, you hadn't been able to beat one. Can you beat two or three of those teams? That's really hard to do. I don't care who you are. It's hard for Georgia to do. It'll be hard for Texas to do. They're going to have a better roster than you. As it sits right now, they'll have an edge over you. And what we've seen is we've seen teams able to get there. We saw TCU get to the title game. They got splattered once they got there. We saw Washington get to the title game. Got, got physically handled pretty good once they got there. Well, well, now you'll get there, and instead of maybe one or two things going your way and you win it, you got to have three or four things go your way and you win it. I mean, you play on this schedule one team with better preseason title odds than you. And I'm going to say that again. And if you tuned out, Notre Dame's got a schedule this year that's going to put them in the playoff. I mean, I, I highly suspect Notre Dame to be a playoff team this year. They play one team, one team that has better preseason odds than them. And that's Florida State. And they get them at home on November 9th. They got to buy before that. That's no guarantee, but it sets up pretty darn well for them. Once you get there, you, you got to play everybody capable of beating you. Everyone had good odds at that point. So we'll see. It'd be a huge story. I don't disagree with that. It would be a huge story. As is the case that they're watching us in Clovis, New Mexico tonight, and Joplin, Missouri, and Conyers, Georgia. We appreciate that so much. It is now time for us to take it upon ourselves to do the impossible. And um, I got to do two things, actually. And as we established last show, there's nothing wrong with putting lip balm on during the show. It's the shape the lips take while you put the lip balm on that could be a problem. So I've chosen to rectify that by just covering my mouth with my hand. So that if I do make butthole lips, you can't tell. And if you um, don't get the context, don't worry about it. What are the best football programs in the ACC? And do we really want to get past about number five, six, or seven? Yes, we do. It's going to be gross. We're going to need to wash ourselves off with a hose pipe afterwards. But you know what? Someone's got to do this, and we're going to do it. Florida State University is the best program in the ACC right now. And here's what I'm taking into account. I care about the last three years of on-field production 
talent acquisition. I care about your stability. These are the things I care about, along with your resource pool. That's the difference in a team and a program. So I got Florida State number one. They are 23 and four past couple of seasons, back-to-back double-digit win seasons. They're the only team in the ACC that can say that. They got three top 20 classes in the last three years. They are number one in the ACC in portal classes the last three years. And Mike Norvell just got himself locked in long-term. They have a max stability rating. Florida State, for the first time in a long time, ascends to the top of the ACC program power rankings. Notre Dame, or not Notre Dame, because they they choose not to join the conference. Florida State's now the number one program in the ACC. It's been Clemson forever. Got Clemson at number two right now. Not a long way away, uh, but nine plus win seasons all three. They've got three top 11 classes. They are choosing not to go the portal route. And I think it's made a difference when you look at the caliber of athlete they have on the field. Not bad, not bad. But we're talking about going from making platinum records to, for the time being, just making gold records. Still really good. We just have to take it in the proper context. Coaching, very stable there. So I got Florida State and Clemson 1-2. That's Tier 1. Tier 2, and the number 3 program in the ACC, it's NC State. So quietly, Dave Doran's got North Carolina State up there. Three winning seasons the last three years. They're one of two teams to be above 500 each of the past three years. Can you believe that? This conference has been so subpar collectively. They have dropped the ball to the point where there are only two teams that have had back-to-back-to-back seasons above 500, and that's NC State and Clemson. Nine of 11 years now under Doran. They've had winning seasons, and they've had big jumps in talent acquisition lately as well. So NC State, I've got as the number three program. I got Miami as number four. Now, this is, this is a classic balance of They're sky high in one of our metrics we care about, and that's talent acquisition, but the on-field product's not there yet. They believe it will be this fall, but this doesn't take that into account. This isn't a projection. This is uh, a gauge of the here and now. Uh, They've got back-to-back top 10 classes, back-to-back top 12 in the portal. They're the overall best talent acquisition program in the conference right now. Looking this year, I mean, nine and a half is the over-under win total for them. But right now, until they get it done on the field, can't have them any higher than fourth. Louisville's at five. They've gone from six and seven to eight and five to 10 and four. Jeff Brom, I think, may be the most underrated head coach in America. They've got three top 20 portal classes in the last three years. So Louisville at five. North Carolina, I am so disappointed that they're down at six right now. They've just been trending in the wrong direction as a program. They've got back-to-back classes now in recruiting outside the top 25 when the previous three classes had been in the top 15. So they've had some staff come and go there, and it's been reflected in their recruiting efforts. Uh, they've, I don't know, they, they, I just expect a lot from North Carolina. I was talking to Cooper Pateglin here, and every, every now and then he really nails a point. And it was that time of month the other day, and he said exactly what I feel. North Carolina's the place where any given year, they could just blow up. Could just blow up. Now, as, as for stability, it's kind of shaky because every year you have the Mac Brown retirement stuff that's going to linger. It just is. I mean, that's the nature of having a coach that's a little up there in age. Got nothing against Mac Brown. Love the guy. Love him to death. Uh, but that's a reality. And so that completes tier two. Okay, now we get to tier three. And I'm not going to spend as much time from here on out. SMU's in the ACC. Just breaking news for those of you unfamiliar with what's been happening the last few months. They got the G5 jump, so yeah, they got three winning seasons in a row, but it was in the G5. I know the yeah, but with all of this. They are 11-3 last year. They hadn't been under 500 since 2015. Two of the last three classes in the portal, they've been in the top 15. So Rhett Lashley, they've shown the ability to get guys in the portal. They need to be better in high school recruiting, and I think they will, and I think this affiliation will help them. Virginia Tech at eight. They just need the engine to crank. They've been turning that ignition. They just need it to crank. They're 7-6 and six last year. They've had three top 50 classes. There's a lot of growing energy in the program, but we need it to happen. We need it to manifest itself on the field before we bump them higher. Duke is nine. A lot of echoes of Mike Elko. Echoes of Elko, not a bad goth band name. Brad, I'll talk to Bradley later. Bradley used to work at Hot Topic. He listens to that stuff. Uh, Duke. Nine and four and eight and five last two years. Manny Diaz, love the Manny Diaz higher there. They need players. 
They just got to have players. Pitt and Wake Forest are 10 and 11. And um, Wake Forest, especially, 11 and 3 to 8 and 5 to 3 and 9. Pitt, 11 and 3 to 9 and 4 to 3 and 9. Just pro, they're just programs trending in the wrong direction. And then you get to tier four. I mean, Syracuse, Georgia Tech, Stanford. Georgia Tech could jump big now. Georgia Tech's in a position where the program's been dormant for a little while. And Brent Key, you could feel it start to click a little bit last year. And this year, I mean, you, you could easily sell me on Georgia Tech jumping up into, they could jump up two tiers this year. They got the best class coming in since they've had in 2020. They went from three and nine to five and seven to seven and six this past year, seven and six. So trending in the right direction. Uh, Stanford, you know, Troy Taylor year two, not sure what to make of things out there. Could be a program on the rise. And then, Brother, when we get to tier five of the ACC, you're talking about trying to distinguish between Cal and Boston College and Virginia. I mean, Cal's had three losing seasons. They have been top 30 in the portal back-to-back years for whatever that's worth. Boston College just hired Bill O'Brien as head coach. Okay. Um, Virginia, no double-digit win season since 1989. No legit signs of life there right now. I don't know. So we had five tiers total in the ACC, but I think the big thing to note is number one, Florida State, in my opinion, is now the best program in the ACC. We have not said that about anyone other than Clemson in a while. And the other thing is you got NC State Miami there with noticeable flaws right now, but because of how open the ACC is, you can be a flawed program. Like Miami, I mean, they, they just barely were above 500 last year but that's still good enough to have you top five in the ACC if you're checking some of the other boxes. My point being, it's still there to be had. The ACC long-term is still there to be had. All right, let's roll it along. Got several more things to touch on. Boy, we, you, the next three things I'm going to talk about on this show, we've got uh, Alabama staffing moves. We got a new Twister movie coming out. We got a big-time conundrum about Georgia versus Texas and some fall weddings. FanDuel's got odds on some of these things. Our buddies at FanDuel, proud partner, exclusive odds provider for the show. They are the reason that we were able to give you all the preseason odds. Uh, We'll have that futures market looking really robust here in a few months, having lines on specific games. I know college basketball wets a lot of your whistles between now and then. You bet $5 right now, you get $150 in bonus bets guarantee. Our partners at FanDuel going to have a really, really good year with them coming up. I mean, I've got some. I got some ideas. If we can execute them, I think you guys are going to love it about as much as anything we've done on this show. And that's all I can say legally right now. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800 327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts, or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. All right, let's continue to move. Did you know that amidst all the other chaos, there was some stuff that just happened in Alabama. It has a lot of the natives concerned. Let's let's discuss it here. Mm. Very, very tangy liquid in the Chalice of Supremacy tonight. Okay, Greg from Ardmore, Tennessee, hit me and said, hey, what do you think the impact of Ryan Grubb leaving has on Alabama? I think it'll be fine, but looking for your wonderful wisdom. Well, 
Ryan Grubb was the offensive coordinator for 10 minutes, maybe. And then he took the Seahawks OC position. Scott Huff was going to be the offensive line coach at Alabama. He also went to Seattle. It looks like, according to Matt Zenitz, it looks like it's going to be Nick Sheridan who just elevates from tight ends coach to offensive coordinator. He's been a coordinator once upon a time before under Kalen DeBoer. I don't really care. Kalen DeBoer is just going to call the plays this year because that's what's about to happen in Alabama. He's done it before. It's his system. I'm very interested because we hadn't really seen Grubb do it without Kalen DeBoer. So not that I'm glued to Seattle Seahawks football on Sunday afternoon, but I'll be interested to see him without alignment next to Kalen DeBoer for the first time. I actually think Huff is the bigger loss. That guy had the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line this past year, and I uh, don't think it's lost on anyone watching this show how much that Alabama offensive line struggled. That was going to be a big upgrade for them. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Bama lose Ryan Grubb, and while I had respect for the guy and still do, Bama losing Ryan Grubb, I think it's not even as big a deal as him losing Scott Huff. I mean, look, no one freaked out, for example, when Kirby lost Dan Lanning. You wouldn't freak out if he lost Glenn Schumann. You wouldn't freak out if he lost Will Muschamp. Why? Because it's Kirby's defense. You don't freak out when he loses guys on his side of the ball. Did you freak out when Josh Heupel lost Golish to USF? These are good coaches. But you don't freak out when they lose them because you know they possess the ability to call that side of the ball themselves. It's what they've done their whole life. I don't care if he loses Grub. Scott Huff, I kind of care if he lost. And he lost Scott Huff. And again, I'm not the one sitting here grading staffs in February. Uh, I think it is well within our right to just take a little while and see how it looks this year. Could these things matter? They could matter a great deal. Could we also see a staff that gels and is great at Alabama in their first year and hits the over nine and a half wins? Sure, we could. Could they win seven games? Sure, they could. Like all of those things are on the table. Can we just get to spring ball? Can we? Most, most folks out there hating on Bama staff can't even name Bama staff. So could we just get to spring ball? That's all I ask. That's all I ask. Is my opinion changed on this front? Absolutely not. I think it's going to end up in time being one of the best staffs in the SEC, best staffs in college football. They'll be okay. That doesn't mean, that is not tantamount to me guaranteeing anything in year one. Trust fund syndrome, got to knock that trust fund syndrome. You're not entitled to 11 and a half wins per year. Okay, I know you guys have been used to that. 28-year-old Bama bro, bro, you're used to that. That's not the way the real world works. There could be a scenario where Kalen DeBoer is the right hire and wins eight games this year. Like, that could happen. Which brings me back to my question I asked a little while ago. What do you think is realistic to expect from them? I've got immense amounts of respect for Kalen DeBoer, long term. Uh, and it's not like they're going to have a poverty roster this year. They'll be capable of winning every game they play this year. It's just the margins are going to be a whole lot smaller. And uh, there's a lot of newness to be experienced by everyone. So what's realistic? And I'm asking you that, and I'm moving on. Because it's an open-ended question that I would like for us not to just rush to answer. Now we get to the true meat of the show. I opened up the mailbag today, and what we're going to do, we'll have another live show Thursday, we'll have another one Sunday, and then after that, we're back to Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday. But I wanted to do a little, little taste test, if you will, to remind you guys what the Late Kick Extra podcast is. So our normal format, which we are about to return to this time of year, some would call it the off-season. Uh, we just call it the wait season. We do a Sunday night show. We do a Thursday night show, right? And then on Tuesday slash Wednesday, we release what we call the Late Kick Extra podcast. You can only find it in the podcast feed, and it's just mailbag. And it leads to, notably, some of our most legendary episodes uh, because you're driving the bus on it. So, I've, for instance, I've got a very, very, very big conundrum I'm going to address in just a second where someone's sister has done the big no-no and scheduled her wedding on a Saturday in the fall. So don't worry, I'll get to that. But firstly, Colin, I don't even need this cut for VOD. Don't worry about it. Colin hit me up from, uh, what is this, Purcellville, Virginia? Or maybe Purcellville? Or maybe Purcellville? Who knows? Anyway, regardless of pronunciation of the city he lives in, he said, or asked, Will the new Twisters movie line up to the original? Cast, soundtrack, nostalgia, etc. Cast, no way it can live up to the original. Rest in peace, Bill Paxton. 
Rest in peace, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Jamie Gertz is a gazillionaire, part owner of the Hawks now. I doubt she gets involved. No word on Helen Hunt. She did not respond to our invitation to come on the show tonight. So I don't know what's going to happen. But uh, are you rabbits in succession now and, and running for president? So I don't think that the cast is going to line up. The soundtrack, I am on record as saying the Twister soundtrack is one of the most underrated in history. I mean, Shania Twain, young, still country, as country gets Shania Twain on there. Goo Goo Dolls, Van Halen, just a phenomenal album. But some Lisa Loeb mixed in there, some Nine Inch Nails mixed in there. But as for the overall plot, I'm hopeful. Okay, I'm hopeful. And I was at management's house the other night when the trailer aired during the Super Bowl, which to me was one of the highlights of the game, to be honest. And I, um, I was captivated. And I walked to the front of the screen. And everyone made fun of me, but that was just ambient noise at that point. I was glued. For those of you unfamiliar, I am a storm chaser year-round, but especially in the spring. I mean, we're getting ready to mount up and gird up our loins and head out on the road in about a month. And it's very fun. And the, the thing that Twister got right in 1996 and the thing I hope this movie gets right is not scientific. I, 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 you cannot lose me quicker than being the atmospheric science nerd who walks in, pushes his glasses up, and talks about the scientific inaccuracies in Twister. I don't care. What it captured is storm-chasing culture perfectly. And I could not believe a Hollywood studio was able to capture that. They did. What you see in Twister is exactly the way it is out on the road. It's awesome. It's terrifying. It is, it, it's amazing. To see tornadoes in person, you have to be a sick, sick-minded individual to crave that. And when you get a lot of those people together... And then they travel over vast expanses of this great nation of ours. As you can imagine, it creates a little culture in and of itself. And it's awesome. It's awesome. So I take part in that. I love it. Twister got it right in 96. I hope this one gets it right coming up. You can't let the wrong voices in the room. In a way, tornadoes are like college football. Okay, it's, it's, it's a really, really specific science. And chasing them is a very specific culture. Just like college football is a very specific game. And what's great about college football does not equal what's great about any other sport out there. And you got to have minds in the room who understand that because you can go from a really good movie to cows flying through the air really quick if you got the wrong voices in the room. And so fingers crossed, fingers crossed, they get this one right. It stuns me it took this long for a sequel to Twister. I never, ever, ever tell people, I chase tornadoes, and have them go, yeah, whatever. Everybody's fascinated by those things. Everybody is. How did, this was one of the 10 biggest movies of the 90s, by the way, and it took till 2024 for the next one to come out? I have no idea. I have no idea. I remember we were at Big Ten Media Days last year. Jerry Immigs, the SID, legendary SID at Ohio State. Love Jerry. And I've talked to Jerry several times. I have never seen Jerry's face light up more than when I told him, as he asked, what are you doing this time of year? Chasing tornadoes, Jerry. What are you doing? <laughs> Football-related activities? I'm chasing storms, my friend. He asked me like 30 questions. Everybody's like that, at least as far as what I encounter. So yeah, finally, Hollywood gets around to the sequel in 2024. All right, next up. Uh, this one's going to cut some people deep. We're about to offend some people. If you're offended, ask yourself, did you deserve it? Colin, let's go. Hamilton, or as you might know him, Hamdog115, hit me and said, Josh, my sister's getting married on October 19th. That is the Saturday that Georgia plays at Texas. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to tell her to wait a week. That's what he said. Uh, well, I responded. And this is my approach. Always has been, always will be in times like these, Hamilton. She made her decision. Now you can make yours. I'm not telling you to skip the wedding. I'm telling you, make your decision. The, the rules, for those of us who love college football, the rules are as easy as it gets. You got 52 Saturdays in a year. Do whatever you want with like 38 or 39 of them. But we got about 11 or 12 of them. We need you to leave alone. Those are the fairest rules in the world. And if you violate them, you're free to do it. 
but you're not free from the consequences. I am not, for the record, part of team ban fall weddings. I don't need you to ban fall weddings. You can have a fall wedding. You may not care about college football, but I care about it. So I'm not going to be there. I'm Magic Johnson on this. I'm not going to be there. I hate this. I hate this because I know every one of you have to face this. Inevitably, eventually, you have to face it. So here's my quarterly PSA. Because some of you either don't have the stones to do it yourselves, or you're in a situation where you really can't speak up for the greater good of your relationship. So I'll do it for you. Just make sure she's in the truck. Make sure she's within earshot. Fast forward through this part right here and turn the volume up. Most of us have about 12 or 13 sacred days out of the year. They're Saturdays in the fall. You got 52 of those Saturdays. You can do whatever you want to with them. Just give us those 12 or 13. It is the least selfish thing imaginable out of an entire calendar's worth of Saturdays to say, could I just get like 12 or 13 for myself? You know this out there. Those of you who believe in the satanic practice of fall Saturday weddings, you know this, and you encroach on them anyway. You don't accidentally do it. You willingly do it, and you do it with a smile on your face. It's not a joke. It is not a joke to some of us. I promise you, you'll find out. You'll find out. Now, I get to say that I have to work on Saturdays, but some of these folks don't get to say that. So I'm going I'm to break the news to you that some of them are too nice to break. Your wedding is a great thing. And we wish you a long and happy and prosperous marriage. And if you get married in April, we'll be happy to be there. But so help us. Your wedding is not as important to us as Georgia, Texas. And I know you want to look at me and you want to say, did you just say what I think you said? I'll repeat it for you. College football Saturdays are more important to us than your wedding. Full stop. Full stop. If our Saturdays aren't important to you, don't expect your wedding to be more important to us. We don't owe you that. We don't owe you a thing. We gave you several other options. He said, no, nope, got to have the fall. Not, it's a lot of folks who feel this way. A lot of folks who feel this way. Now, I will get pushback on this. I know where it's going. I already do this song and dance like four times a year because it needs to be said that frequently. There is going to be a group, a little cabal, a little cult of people who try and shame you for feeling this way. You need to get your priorities in order. I got them in order. Mine just aren't like yours. I love this stuff. Like I, I got few things in life I really love. And one of them is every one of these Saturdays from about September through early December. And it's all I'm asking you to do. Leave me alone on these Saturdays. You're free to do what you want to do. I'm not trying to stipulate what you do. So you're crossing the fence and you're coming over here and trying to stipulate what I do. Don't apologize to these people. They don't hold the moral high ground on you. They get to live their way. I get to live my way. And if you living your way bothers them, that's on them. That's not on you. So love what you love and don't apologize for it. And when people tell you you got your priorities out of whack, you ask them who's sitting in a suit at 335 when Georgia, Texas is kicking off and who's the real fool in the room. I hate this for you guys. I know a lot of you have to face this. I know you do. Um, they make their decisions. You get to make yours. That's the best advice I can give. And I know some of those situations are very untenable. Famously, we broke up a friendship over this thing two years ago. A guy DM'd me and he said, here's my situation. And I told him essentially what I just told you. And then he, he took the show and played it for his buddy whose wedding he was scheduled to be in. And then his buddy kicked him out of the wedding, and I don't know if they've talked since then, but you know what? You know what? I'm gonna leave it alone. We, I guess we define true friend a little bit differently, man to man these days. All right, that's our show. For Director Colin, for Producer Jesse, I'm Josh Pate. Take care, have a great rest of your evening, and God bless. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.